It's so good to see everybody tonight. Glad you're here. Let's begin our time with some prayer. Father, thanks for a place to meet, a time to meet, a reason to meet. We thank you for your presence here among us. Uh, we've gathered in the name of Jesus. We welcome you into our midst, and we ask God that you would lead, guide, empower our time. We pray your anointing on the teaching tonight, and that we would have ears to hear. Because we want to hear from you, we want to grow, we want to be changed, we want your word to have its way, its effect, we want a creative work tonight in us by your word, uh, that uh, God you would speak and that something would change and something would be made and God that uh, we would grow. So we ask you for that kind of miraculous work of your word in us tonight, in our midst and in our individual lives. Uh, we pray, Father, that this be a time where uh, we are ready to receive all that you want to pour out. So thank you. Uh, thanks for being here. And we thank you that the God of the universe has showed up tonight. And we ask God that this time would reflect your presence and that we would allow you due course in our life to do what you want to do. If we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Psalm 130. If you need a Bible, you can grab one off the table. Psalm 130, we've spent a few weeks in the Psalms. This will be our last week in the Psalms. I think it's been a good, fruitful, productive time going through some. Psalm 130 and verse 3, as you're turning there, just a quick reminder that we do have an interactive feature with Bible study. It's through a website at www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there and there's a button to toggle and you can leave us a message. And leave us, could be a question, comment, something good that God's doing. It could be just a hi if you're listening to us from another country, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, let us know where you're listening to us at. And uh, so, thanks for listening, and this is our feature that you can participate with us, and we'll endeavor to play whatever you leave us at our next Bible study. Psalm 130, I need a volunteer to read verse 3. All right, thanks for reading that. So, this verse, there's a couple things about it, a few things about it that I want to share tonight, but as we're getting started with it, is this idea that there's only one way of relief uh, from sin, and, and that's God. And, and what this verse is pointing out, God alone is the one who can do that. And our soul witnesses to that. Uh, that part of us, at least one part of us that's eternal, and one part of us that is in connection with our spirit and with the Holy Spirit, uh, tells us and lets us know that the distractions of the world, whatever they might be, the diversions, uh, the remedies that the world offers, all those kind of things, the supposed remedies, are just lies. And there's a part of us that understands that, and there's a part of us that knows that, that even though... There's a lot of promises out there, and there are a lot of promises, a lot of people will tell you all about it, 
They'll tell you, you know, one person will say, oh, this is how I found relief, or another person, oh, this is how you do it. These are the five steps, these are the three steps, this is how you go about it. Oh, I wrote this book, you want to buy it, it'll tell you how to do it. But the reality of it is, there only diverge, there's, there's no diversion, there is no remedy, there is no relief. It's God alone, and he's it. And so whatever our shortcoming, whatever our, our lives are reflecting at the time, whatever that is, uh, there's one way, and it, it's only through God. And so that's what our soul finds when our soul really searches, and we really search to try to come up with something. It's not another philosophy. It's not another, again, diversion or anything like that. It's just God, and he's the answer to that. So this verse highlights that. This verse highlights the idea that he is the way. He is the way of relief to us. And when I say sin, uh, that, that can mean a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people. Sin is basically, we've talked about this before, but the whole idea of missing the mark. Well, where do we miss the mark in our life? Everywhere, just about. Over time, I mean, we just miss the mark. We, we were not right on whatever we're supposed to be on at the moment that we're supposed to be on. It just seems to be the way it is. And so I'm not saying there's anything to get depressed about. I'm just saying that that's just a fact of life. And some days things go well. That's awesome. But, you know, you take note of that. You ever notice that when things are going really well one day? I do. When I'm on, when I'm on point with something and I'm, you know, just clicking and I'm getting stuff and I'm getting it done and I'm having a productive day, I take note of that, right? You know why you take note of that? Because not every day is like that, all right? And that's okay. It's not, and it's true that not every day is like that, but that's all right. And we have some days that are better than others, and we have some days that we can't miss, and other days that we're missing all the time. You know, and, and things that, that are e come easy to us some days, come very, it's very difficult other days. And it's, that's how it is. So, so the idea of us missing the mark, the idea of us... You know, not being on point 24-7, the idea of us not, not being, you know, like right on it 365 days a year, I mean, that's just a fact of life. And the relief that God gives us from that, that comes from Him. And, and you know, as many things as the world wants to offer to help us out with that, it just, it's, it's a lie. Those are lies. And, and I think as we turn to God and we find in Him that relief, as we find in him that source that we actually need for who we really are, it helps us in a couple of different ways. One, it helps us to live in reality and in truth. And that, that's a big number one, living in reality and truth is important because that's what it really is. And that's who we really are. And if we know we have a relief in God, we don't have to pretend. Or we don't have to pretend that Something that we bought is going to help us or something that we bought is really working when it's not. We don't have to try to justify those kind of things. We don't have to try to pretend that those things are actually taking place because really the truth is okay and reality is good. And when we want relief, the reality of the situation is that that relief is going to come from God. The second thing I'd point out about that is it teaches us to go to God with our needs. To recognize our needs, number one. And number two, to really go to him with our needs. 
and to, release, to receive something that actually works. Not only in this area, but in other areas of our life. And I think as we train ourselves, and, and we really do need to train ourselves to go to God with certain things in our life, that we're better off. For example, when we're sick, you know, the idea of going to God when we're sick. Making that, okay, let's do that first. Instead of going to the doctor or going to uh, you know, prompt care or whatever it is. Am I against doctors in prompt care? No. Don't take what I'm saying to an extreme. But what I am saying is that, that you know, going to God and finding sufficiency in Him in areas of our life will lead us into doing that in other areas of our life. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think there's anything wrong. I'm, I'm all, I got a doctor. I have a, a prompt care I go to. I mean, I, I have prescriptions that get refilled. I got to go pick them up at the pharmacy. I mean, I live a normal life, okay? I'm not suggesting anything other than that. But what I am suggesting is that when those type things do happen, we have someone we can go to first. And we should go to first. That's our privilege as his children, to go to him first. You know, we have some type of a financial difficulty. Right? The first thing is to hit the bank for a loan or to call the credit card company to get our, our uh, limit raised. No, those aren't first steps. They're not. It's not first steps to, to make those kind of decisions. It's going to our Father who cares for us and who loves us and who wants to provide for us. And let's ask Him first. And allowing these type of situations that come up, whatever they might be, that we're training ourselves, let's go to the Father first. Let's go to our loving Dad first instead of to whatever it is, you know, whatever it is. And not to rehash it, but to really train ourselves more to go to our Father. And so as you go into this verse here, it's an interesting verse, <coughs> and it speaks about God doesn't keep a, a record of sin. I think that's kind of interesting. He doesn't keep a record of sin. In other words, you know, that the idea of the mark, it, some of you read that, uh, whoever read that, you read about the mark. And he doesn't mark it down, okay? In other words, that, that word can mean literally to watch. In fact, I think it's translated to watch in verse 6 of the same psalm. And that idea is, is that he doesn't mark something or he doesn't watch it. What does that mean to you? And this is something I think goes in the face of a lot of ways that people see God. One of the, one of the main really, really bad ways that, God, that people see God. What's one of the bad ways that people see God? What's he doing all the time? Yeah, and he's just waiting for you to sin. He's watching. He's just waiting. He's going to get you. All right? He's worse than Santa Claus. Because you only worry about him once a year, right? <laughs> But God, man, he's around all the time. See, and that's a bad way to see God. In fact, this verse says that he's not like that at all. And I want you to just let that sink in. He's not, just, he's not watching, waiting for you to mess up. All right? He's not putting a mark against you because you messed up. All right? That's not the way that he is. Uh, another way that this could be translated is to observe accurately and punish. It says he doesn't do that. All right. Another way this could be translated is to observe, to note, and to attend to, to regard, or to keep and to guard. He doesn't do that with us. 
not with sin. Right? And I'm not implying he doesn't take care of us. Of course he does. I'm not implying that he's not looking out for us. Of course he is. But in regard to our shortcomings, in regard to our sin, in regard to us messing up, in regard to us failing, in regard to all of those kind of things, he is not in the business of keeping watch. He's not in the business of putting a mark against us. He's not even in a business of observing us accurately in these areas of our life. And why is that important? Because we mess up all the time. People have a really hard time understanding, well, well, how does God stand that? Well, he doesn't really observe us accurately, according to this verse. Now, think about that for a second. He doesn't, he chooses not to observe us accurately. Now, what's a, what's a human example of that? Give me a human example of that. Where we make a choice not to observe someone accurately. Parents. 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 And if you've ever been in a situation where a, a child has acted out or done something, and you go to the parent and you say, hey, your child did this. And you're an adult, right? And the parent looks at you and says, no, you're lying. My child would never do that. My child's not like that. Okay. They have chosen to not observe their child accurately. And they've chosen to believe a child over an adult because it backs up the way that they've chosen to see him or her. So we do that. We have that capacity as humans to be able to just see the good. Okay, what's another, what's another example of that? When does that happen? Think of the beginning of certain types of relationships where you're not really observing the other person accurately. What kind of relationship could that be? Boyfriend, girlfriend. All right. What did you say? Infatuation. Oh, yeah. It's like, a, like an infatuation type thing where you meet somebody and the most wonderful person in the whole wide world and they can never do anything wrong. And they're the best. And, and they are just awesome. All right. Now, is that really accurate? No, probably not. Probably not. All right. And you're probably seeing what you want to see. You're probably observing what you want to observe. You're probably ignoring what you want to ignore. And you're, you're painting this nice rosy picture of this other person that isn't exactly accurate. It's just not. And so we have this capacity. Those are just two examples. Your kids or, or your infatuation relationship or whatever it might be. All right. And there's other times that this will happen. You can kind of see that. And you can kind of, in other people, it's so much easier to see. Oh, they're in the... They're in the infatuation phase, or they're in this phase, or they're just choosing not to see this. Oh, yes, whatever. But God has made a choice with us. And am I saying he's ignorant? No. Am I saying that, that he can't see something? No, he can see whatever he wants. All I'm saying is, is that he's made a choice to not observe us accurately when it comes to Sin. He's made provision for it. In other words, he has given us provision for the sin in our life by giving his own life for it. He has, has sacrificed everything that we might have life. And, and he has made whatever needs to be done in order for us to live. But in his day-to-day -day dealings with us, 
He has chosen to see us differently than probably likely that we see ourselves. I mean, haven't you ever asked the question, like, how, how, how does he, how is he not upset with me? You ever ask yourself that question? I mean, you might. You know, how, how is God still using me and I'm in this kind of a position? You might. Okay, it's a failure to understand his grace. It's a failure to understand his love. It's a failure to understand a lot about him. But a lot of where that comes from is he chooses to see you how he chooses to see you. And that's his choice. And, and I believe that we need to really allow for that. To allow him to see us the way that he wants to see us. That we're, we're, we shouldn't put our judgments of ourselves onto him. Do you understand what I mean by that? Because you may see yourself and you may have a, a really bad judgment of yourself. You may be really hard on yourself. And there's people in this room that are really hard on themselves. There's people in this room that aren't hard enough on themselves too. But there are people in this room that really are not, that they're way too hard on themselves and you stick that judgment on God. You really do. And you can't do that because you're not God. You can't put your judgment on him. That's, that's not your prerogative. That's not your right. That's not what you can do. It's just not. And so we take him at his word that this is how he sees us. We take him at his word that this, was, this is the way that he chooses to view us. Regardless of how we see ourselves. This is how he sees us. Somebody want to read Psalm 1 and verse 6? Psalm 1, 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So I want you to think, and, and he gives the, the reason why he chooses to see us, why he chooses to see us the way he does. He says he chooses to see us the way he does. In other words, he doesn't keep a record. And the reason that he chooses to do that, it says in the next part of the verse there, it says, well, who could stand if he did? No one. No one could stand. Not one person could stand if he chose to just keep, you know, the record of, okay, this is it and this is the accurate record and this is that's all there is to it. But he chooses to not observe us accurately. He chooses not to keep a note, not to attend to, not to guard a, such a thing. See, and then that whole that idea of guarding is like a night watchman that just watching over a city and that has his, just his eyes open and he's just watching for anybody trying to sneak in or watching for an army coming over the horizon or watching for trouble or watching for fire or watching for whatever he's watching for. So intently and, and just staring something down to make sure he doesn't miss anything. Well, that's not the way he is. That's, the, that's who God chooses not to be. That's what it says there. And the reason he chooses not to be that way is because if he didn't choose not to be that way, in other words, if he chose to be the other way, then nobody could stand before him. Nobody. And whatever it is we're doing, whatever it is that we're engaged in right now, would just be fruitless. It would be a waste of energy. 
Because the in-between there is no good. The you pretending that you're righteous is no good. You pretending that you're holy enough is no good. Because it's not true. The truth of the matter is, is that we do mess up all the time. The truth of the matter is, is that we do fail all the time. And the truth of the matter is that God has made a decision about the way he's going to see us. And he goes about it. And that way we can stand. And, and that idea of standing, that's a judicial phrase. It means to be absolved after a fair trial. So if we were to stand a fair trial and God chose not to do what he does and see us the way he sees us, we would be found guilty. No one would be absolved after a fair trial. Not one of us. So, he gives us a way of escape. And we're all in this together. Understand that. Okay, you might think somebody else might be holier than you. You might think somebody else is a better person than you. Maybe they are. I don't know. But it doesn't change your legal standing before God. You might think that you're a horrible person and that person's a good person or that person over there is nice and you're mean or they're friendly and you're unfriendly or whatever it is. But it doesn't change our legal standing. Our legal standing, the, the reality of our legal standing is if God decided that he was just going to watch our every move, and judges for every move, you know what our legal standing would be? Guilty. Every single one of us, no matter if you think you're nice, you're not nice, they're nice, he's nice, she's nice, they're not nice, friendly, not friendly, whatever you believe about yourself and that person over there, doesn't matter, we're all guilty. We're all in the same boat together. The way we stand, and the way that we're able to stand, in other words, to be declared, absolved after a fair trial, is that he chooses not to look as intently as he could. And that's just his choice. And that's the, to me, that's the only way that that makes sense. Now, am I saying he couldn't? Of course he could. Am I saying that there's some barrier that keeps him from doing it? Absolutely not. Am I saying that we're hiding somehow and he can't see us? No. Nope. He knows us exactly for who we are. He just makes his choice. He decides that and he makes his choice. Okay, somebody look at James uh, chapter 3. <coughs> so, based on what you're saying, that really explains why we have to understand how God sees us, because it's his choice. Right. But we can't make that up because it's not our choice. Right. And that's the problem, is that when we make it up, or we try to put our view on him, we fail. Because you can't put your view on him. You can't put your judgment on him. You can't put what you think and say, oh, well, that's what God thinks. That doesn't make any sense. You're not God. You can't say that. You can't do that. And there's a huge problem with trying to do that. A huge problem with throwing your judgments onto him. We can't. And so we really have to take the scriptures and use the scriptures because he reveals himself in the scriptures to understand how he sees us. And you're either going to believe it or you're not. You're either going to accept it or you're not. And if you want to keep just making up who God is, keep making it up. It ain't who he is though. You want to keep making up who you think God is, then he's going to be whoever you make up. 
That ain't real. That's not actual. That's not the truth. I mean, why do you think so many people out there don't want anything to do with God? Because they met the real God, the actual God of the universe that loves them and cares for them and is looking out for them? Or did they meet some other made-up God that somebody threw their own opinions on, threw their own beliefs on, or whatever it was, and said, oh, this is God. And they didn't like that very much. Well, no kidding. I don't like that very much either. And most people don't. Oh, this is who he is. Well, why do you say that? Well, that's because that's what I think. Well, you're a jerk, so he's a jerk. Oh, great. You're mean. He's mean. Great. You're unfriendly. Well, he's unfriendly. Great. We're not doing him any favors, okay, with that. And we're not doing ourselves any favors with that either. So why not let him reveal himself? Yeah, why don't we allow him to say, this is who I am, and then when he says that, to believe him at what he says instead, and then share that with other people. Oh, oh, he doesn't keep any, oh, what does it say? That? Oh, he doesn't keep a record of sin. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Oh, and he chooses to see us in a certain way? All right. Yeah. All right. And we're all in the same boat together? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, that all makes sense. That's all something that, that we can understand together, and we can see him together as. Somebody have James 3, too? Yeah, I don't really know too many perfect people. In fact, that verse starts off with, we stumble in how many ways? Many. many. Who? Just that guy over there? All of us. Yeah, all of us, man. In other places in James, it talks about how if man says he has no sin, what? Liar. He's a liar, man. Yeah, he's a liar. All right, so here's a few things we need to know. Are you ready? Here's a few things. These are just some, some few truths. Old-fashioned, too. These are old-fashioned truths. Some guy, I, I, I copied this from a guy that, that he wrote this well over 100 years ago. You ready? Old-fashioned truths. Number one, we know we're sinners. Okay? All right. So, in other words, the Bible would tell us that if we don't know that, then we're lying to ourselves. So we know that. This is a fact. Number two. God can see the darkness in us. In fact, he sees it better than we do. Because we can't see all the darkness in ourselves. And so what that tells us is that God can see it, and he knows more about it, <coughs> and can see more about it in us than we can actually see ourselves. Okay, so that's number two. So number one, just to recap, don't want to lose anybody. We know we're sinners. Number two, God can see the darkness in us more than we can. Number three, God has the power to shine light into us. 
in him is light and no darkness. All right, and you begin to read the beginning of the Gospel of John. It talks a lot about that. And it talks about shining the light into the darkness. So, number three, God has the power of light. He can shine light into us, into the dark places in us. So, in other words, he sees the darkness in us, and he can shine a light into it. He can light up those places in us. He can bring relief to the darkness in us. Number four, God shows mercy. Okay, so those are four things we need to know about God. We're sinners, all of us, every last one of us. There's darkness in us. God can see it, and he sees it better than we do. God also is light, and he can shine a light into that darkness and bring relief to the darkness. And number four, God shows mercy. And those things are just really simple truths that we need to know, that we need to have in us somehow, that that's who God is, and that's, and that's the kind of God that we serve. And that's all truth. In other words, don't pretend you're not a sinner, because you are. Or don't pretend that there's no darkness in you, because there is. And understand that God has the ability to relieve that in you and in me by shining his light and relieving the darkness. And understand he does that because he's super duper merciful on us and loves us a ton. Right? Now I know that sounds really simple and I know that is, there's no real you know, super revelation in that for most of us. But you know what there is in that? A reminder. That's what there is in that. There's a reminder to every one of us as to what the reality of our situation is. And that's okay. In fact, it's good because provision has been made for that. And God in his dealings with us on a daily basis, he understands those things. We understand those things. And he chooses to see us the way he chooses to see us. That's awesome. That every one of those things is true and yet God chooses to see us in the way they choose to see us so that we can stand. He wants us to stand. He wants us upright. He wants us standing. He wants us living in a certain confidence. He wants us living in a certain reality before him. He wants us to, to live in a certain boldness in the world that we're living in, in a certain boldness with the relationship that we have with him. You know, the Bible talks about us approaching the throne of grace. To find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. You remember how it describes that approach? How we're supposed to approach the throne of grace? Anybody? Boldly. Boldly approaching the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Boldly. Well, that's because we understand certain things. All right? That's because we have certain truths that we're going to live in and that we understand about God, that we understand about ourselves. Certain ways that we begin to understand, okay, this is God, and this is how he's choosing to see me so that I can stand and I can live in confidence and I can live in boldness in this world that we live in and before him. That's what he wants for us. That's what he has for us. You see, none of us can escape. None of us. 
None of us can can get away. All right, and, but we don't need to. In fact, the worst decision that we could possibly make, the worst decision that we could possibly make is to try to run away. The first, the worst decision that we could possibly make is to try to get away. Because we actually leave the place of safety. We actually leave the place of healing. We actually leave the place of relief by doing that. There's no reason to. And so God doesn't keep regular sin because, and it gives a reason, because nobody could stand if he did. Nobody. And then the last part of that verse is, is just that simply he forgives. He forgives. That he is able to forgive. All right, that's, that's, you've got to believe that first, that he's able. And what do I mean by that? I mean, philosophically, you believe that, right? Philosophically, you believe God is able. Until you do something that is so gruesomely wrong in your own eyes, that then you doubt it. Why? Because you put the judgment of yourself, your self-judgment, onto God. And you can't do that. The truth is, the truth is, regardless of what you've done, the truth is, regardless of how harshly you've judged yourself, the truth is, regardless of, of how you choose to see it or whatever else, the truth is God is able to forgive. No matter what it is. All right? And and you can pull the, the one thing from the scriptures if you want. Blaspheme in the Holy Spirit if you want to pull that one out. Go ahead. But I'm telling you that I don't think you're tripped up on blaspheme in the Holy Spirit right this second. I don't think that that's the one that's been plaguing you your whole life. And if it has, let me know and I'll talk to you about it. But the reality of it is, isn't that, that God can't. The re reality is he is able. So what have you done? He's able. <clears throat> but Andy, it's really bad. He's still able. Yeah, but I mean, I, I knew what I was doing and I did it anyway. Yeah, right, that's sin. Yep. And he's able. Well, it affected other people. I know, but he's still able. Well, other people had gotten in trouble or other people this or other people. Oh, yeah, I know, but he's still able. You see, you're, you can't limit him. You can't limit his ability. <coughs> I don't care if you're the smartest person in the world. You can't limit his ability. I don't care if you're, you, you got all knowledge. You still can't limit God's ability. I don't care if, if you've been around and you've lived for 175 years. Not that anyone has. Some of us are closer to that than others, but no one has lived 175 years sitting in here. But if you had, you still wouldn't be able to tell God he's not able. You still can't do it. You cannot diminish his ability by your opinion. You cannot diminish his ability by whatever your judgment is. You cannot diminish his ability because you think something or whatever else. You just can't. The reality of it is his ability will not, cannot be diminished. He is able to do whatever. He's able to forgive. And the second part of that is not only is he able to forgive, the second part of it is, is that he's ready to forgive. In other words, he wants to. So you've, got a, so you've got an ability, and just because somebody can do something doesn't mean they will, right? 
Yeah. But that's the first step. The person needs to have the ability to do it. So you got to believe you got the ability to do it. Now, once you can believe that they have the ability to do it, then the second part is, do they have the will to? Do they have the desire to? In other words, are they ready to do it? And the answer to that with God and forgiveness is yes. Not only is he able to do it, he's willing to do it. Not only is he willing to do it, but he is ready to do it for you and me. Yeah. That just sounds like that line from Joe versus the volcano. I know he can get the job, but can he do the job? Right. And right. And I mean, that's true, though. And, and, and there's a couple of questions that have to be answered there. And that's one of them. It's like, all right, is he able? He's able. Does, regardless of your opinion on what you've done, he's able. Then the second part is, well, is he willing? Will he do it? And the answer to that is, according to the scriptures, is yes. He's ready. So he's at the ready to forgive. So not only is he able to, he's at the ready to do it. And to me, that answers both the pertinent questions about receiving forgiveness from God. Is he able? Yes. Is he willing? Is he ready? Like right now? Yes. He's ready. And so those are the two real big questions that if we can answer that and believe it, that we can live in forgiveness and we can stand. I mean, people are just living their Christian life with their head down. Look up. Look up. Let God lift your head. The Psalms describe God as the lifter of our heads. Because sometimes our heads get down, right? Literally, he lifts our heads. He, he wants to be the lifter of your head. <coughs> he wants you to be able to stand. He wants you to be able to live your life boldly and confidently. That's his will. That's his desire for you. And so he's made provision so that that can happen. You gotta, it's, it's, it's whether or not you're going to believe it and live in it or not. I can't make you live in that. Nobody can. He doesn't. He chooses not to. It's your choice. He gives you the choice. He provides everything necessary. Live in this. This is awesome. And you still have the choice. You gonna? Or would you rather live in guilt and condemnation? Or would you rather live with your head down, afraid to look up? Would you rather live in, in that, kind of a, that kind of space where you're afraid to do anything or say anything or you don't believe God could ever use you or, or do anything through you? I mean, that space where anything is possible is so much better. The space where you can stand and you're free is so much better. The, the space where you can be confident and bold in this world and with God. I mean, it's just so much a better place to live. You have a bigger vision and a bigger picture of the world that we live in. It's so much better. So much better. If you just choose to believe it. But that's really up to you. You know, how I started this, and I started the teaching tonight, and I set out to upset somebody. All right? I did. Because I wanted to get the wheels churning in people's minds. And I make fun of certain things that I think are funny, that people will say or people will do. 
And, and this is approaching that, but not there. Because this is just the truth of what he says. And I don't need to make anything up. I don't need to draw a picture of it, you know, like a cartoon picture of it so you understand it. I think it's pretty clear about what he's saying. And I think he is doing something that human beings do all the time. And we should be able to relate to it. But for some people, it offends them to think that God chooses, chooses to not observe their life accurately. And I'm just thankful he does choose to not observe my life accurately. I'm really thankful about that. Really am. You know God's mercy? And this, I want you to think about this because I, I could talk about this for a really long time. I, I'll try not to. But God's mercy is the foundation of our faith. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that His mercy is the foundation of our faith in this sense. That if there was no mercy, and in other words, if we were just held accountable for every single thing that we ever do wrong. Now hear me out. Why bother? Why bother? I, I can't even think of a reason why I would bother. I'm, I'm serious. You know, people have asked me that in the past. It's like, well... Well, God, you know, this, this, and this, or they, they would tell me how they would see God. And, and I would look at them, and, I, and I've done this more than one time. I look at them and say, I wouldn't serve a God like that. I just wouldn't. I'd just go do whatever I want to do because I couldn't think of a reason to serve a God like that because I would never, ever, ever be able to live up to that standard. Never. And I know that. I'd fail immediately. And immediately, the question would come into my mind, why bother? Why bother? You see, our faith is rooted and grounded in a merciful God. Because we fail. Because we mess up. Because we sin. Because our lives aren't perfect. And, and we're living and we're doing whatever it is we're doing and we're living and whatever it is we're living and it's, it's that mercy, that, that hope, that joy that comes from him, that growth, that change, and that opportunity for change that really inspires us to keep going. Without that, why bother? And I hope you can understand what I'm saying. And some of you may have reached that point of despair in your Christian faith because you've lost track or you've lost vision as to the God that we serve. And sometimes we're living under deception and sometimes when we're living under the lies of the enemy and we're fighting those lies and we start to lose ground on those lies that we enter into despair. And those thoughts do enter our minds. Well, why am I bothering? Well, in the midst of despair and in the midst of those lies, you know, we keep going because we keep going. Because there's nowhere else to go. Alright? But the truth of the matter is, is that there's a mercy that's greater than whatever it is we're facing. The truth of the matter is there's a forgiveness that's greater than whatever it is we've done. The truth of the matter is that there's a grace that is so much bigger and so much greater than, than anything that we could ever do against it. And, and that's where we really need to live. 
And if we get out of that space and we get out of that grace and we get out of that mercy and our faith begins to slide to the side, we got to get back there. And, you know, we might find ourselves one day like the disciples, like Jesus is like, well, you are going to abandon me too. And like, you alone have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? And you might find yourself in that spot too. Okay. Get back to him though. Don't live there. Get back to him. Get back to that grace. Get back to that mercy. Get back to the truth. Get back. And for some of you, you know, you might, you might be kind of living in that place of despair right now. And I, I want to call you back. I really do. Call you back into grace. Call you back into mercy. Living in that forgiveness. Especially all you hard ju judges on yourselves. You're hard judging yourself. You're, you're tough. You're mean to yourself. That isn't God. That's you. Come on back to the grace of God. Come on back to the mercy of God. Come on back to the way he wants you to see him and understand him. To, to understand how he sees you. Why? Because that's what he said. That's what he's revealed to us. That's what he's spoken to us. That's what he said. And let's believe that instead of making something else up. Let's believe him that, man, he, he said this. Let's believe him that, man, he's revealed this. And I can trust this word because this word has been around a lot longer than I have. This word has been around a lot longer. And in other cultures and languages and contexts and situations, this word has endured longer than anything I've ever said will. Why don't I believe him? Why don't I believe what he said and how he's revealed himself in his word? And let's do that. Let's get free. Let's stand up. Let's walk in some confidence, and let's walk in some boldness. Anybody have any questions or comments? Real quick, anybody? Because I'm happy to expound if I can. Anything that struck you, anything that you have a question about? Anything you want to call me out on? Yes, Dave. I'm going to refer right back to the beginning as soon as you ask your question. If you, the, the example I was giving was like, let's say you do something wrong and you feel badly about it. You've hurt somebody, you, you've made a mistake, and you've really hurt somebody. All right, it's not uncommon for people to hold on to that sin. In other words, I feel guilty about this, so I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to feel really bad about it for a while. All right? And so you might go to the person, I'm really sorry, I did this, I shouldn't have done this, I apologize, would you forgive me? Yeah, I'll forgive you. Okay, we got that cleared up. Good. But I'm still going to feel bad about it for a while. Now, the problem with that is, is that that's you. Okay? 
And if you put that onto God, in other words, well, God, you know, it's, it's appropriate I feel bad for a while because, you know, God wants me to feel bad for, for a while about this. All right, well, yeah, that's not him, though. Okay, he's, he doesn't choose to see us that way. And he's not keeping a record of our wrongs. And we tend to keep a better record of our wrongs than what the Bible reveals he does, what he chooses to anyway. And so the idea behind it is, is that God has chosen to see us a certain way, and he tells us how he chooses to see us. And just because we see ourselves differently, we can't put that on him because he's revealed how he sees us. And so we need to, re we need to believe him at his word that, oh, he sees me this way. Why do I know that? Because it's right here. It's written down. Well, I feel a certain way. Okay, well, the possibility exists that your emotional response to your failure may be wrong. Can you hear that? That the possibility exists. I mean, it's really likely that your emotional response to your failure is a wrong way to see it. And you definitely can't put that on God. So there's, there's two things. First, the response that is a right. Correct. And then taking it even further and putting that on our thoughts of how God functions and how God works. And how God sees you. Right. Right. And then, after that, then you begin to expand it toward other people. Well, then God sees other people that way, too, but he doesn't. He doesn't even see you that way. And so you begin to develop a theology based on N equals 1. Right? The number of people in this study is me. And I'm going to decide this is how God is. And that's, you can't do it. Especially that he's revealed himself. He said, this is how I see you. So, we need to believe him. Anybody else? Everybody's quiet. It's a lot to take in. That speaks to our dark secret places. That we like to keep dark secret places. <laughs> well, always remember that light, the light of the light of God brings relief to that. Yep. I mean, and we have to see it as relief. You know, instead of getting caught, you know, like it's really a relief to have the light shine there. Howard. I'm one of those people who keeps it locked up all the time. So maybe like the other way. I love the rock light. And I've done a lot of things that rock the people and the myself. I learned all my life as a kid to 
Yeah, you mentioned a nut that's rusted on. You mentioned a nut that's rusted on. Yeah, well, sometimes you don't break those nuts off. Sometimes you take a cutoff tool and you cut it right off. All right? And you relieve the situation. And I believe God does that, you know. And, uh, and I know that's a weird illustration, but <coughs> it's the truth. I mean, because... And, and, I mean, you can beat your head trying to just crack a nut off. You can break a socket on a nut trying to get it off. It's so hard. It's so rusted on. And you can put print, penetrating oil on it. You can heat it up. But there's some nuts, man. You just got to take a, a cutoff tool and just cut it right off. And uh, and that's just the way it is. And I, and I really believe that in God's interest in our freedom and God's interest in our liberty over our lives, that we can't just fall back on, well, it's just a rusty nut. Well, it is a rusty nut, but there's more than one way to get that thing off. So allow him to do what he wants or needs or desires to do to set us free and put us at liberty. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we have to believe it, though. You know, I understand what I mean by that. Because, I mean, I I think people will assent to that. They'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then why are they still beating themselves up? Right. Right. Because he chooses to see what he chooses to see. Right? And, and I mean, uh, again... Sure. Sure. 
Yeah, it's so hard to walk backwards. <laughs> Especially if there's a terrain or something. It's really hard. Right, right. So turn it around and get moving. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was good. Appreciate it. All right, let's uh, take a moment and pray. And uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to say thanks for that you, you love us and that you choose to see us the way you choose to see us. And I pray, God, that we believe you for that. Because what good does it do to believe a lie? And at this point, in this moment right now, to believe something else is just to consciously accept a lie in our life. And I pray that we wouldn't do that. I pray we would have more sense than to just blatantly accept lies and choose to live in lies in our life. So God, I pray that we could take hold of the truth of who you are and the way that you choose to see us, how much you love us. Because God, I ask you that you'd raise us up as a people who could stand in confidence and boldness before you, the throne of grace, the, the world that we live in. Because we're all in this together, um, regardless of our background, regardless of where we came from, regardless of how nice we seem or how ill-tempered we seem or whatever. We're all in the same boat. And you give us the opportunity, every one of us, to stand. And I pray, I pray we'll avail ourselves of that and that we will stand. I thank you that you're able, able, able to forgive us no matter what. No matter what we've done, you're able. And not only are you able, you are ready right now. The Bible says if we confess our sin, you are faithful, you're just, you'll forgive us, and you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, God, I pray forgiveness into our lives, and I pray cleansing into our lives. Thank you, God. I pray you'd simplify our faith tonight. Simplify our view. I pray for less words and more life. Less explanation and just truth. And I just ask you, God, that we would find that confidence and that boldness. Thank you, Lord. We give you honor and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.